Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who very much like us, live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like a listener suggested good and plenty, which I'm being honest, are really gross, but I'm not going to judge. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with me as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And David, we're both a little little salty today. How you doing? Why you got to hate on good and plenty? But just black licorice ain't my thing. Ain't ever going to be my thing, and it can be other people's things, and that's fine. But it ain't going to be my thing. But I we, we always appreciate, we always want to hear the listeners' favorite movie snacks. So you always can go ahead and share those with us via Facebook, via Twitter, via Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. It's been a day. It's been a week. We've been very busy. We've been we've been traveling on all over the road for for our our real big boy jobs, um, and we're back. We're back because there's been a little bit of I don't know if you want to call it controversy. Would you call it controversy? Eh, kinda. Kinda. A little bit. We're back because well, everybody's fighting. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's disagreeing. So what do we fight about? Well, we fight about movies. And I, I took the jump. I took the leap. I took the chance. And I went and I saw Mother, Darren Aronofsky's newest film, Mother, starring Jennifer Lawrence. David, you did not see Mother. I have not seen it yet. You say yet like you're going to see it. Well, I feel like given everything that's going on with it, I kind of have to. How can you not? It's it's a train wreck. Well, I don't know that it's a train wreck. Um, but one of the most interesting things about Mother is that it came out to oh David's getting his David's getting his uh, his updates here. Got to get your got to get your fantasy updates. That's right. But actually, that's a really good segue because we're going to be talking about movie statistics a lot today. And Mother came out to a fresh Rotten Tomatoes rating. It's not certified fresh, but it is fresh. And an F cinema score. Now, David, do you know what the cinema score actually is? Uh, generally. I, I, why don't you explain it to me? Well, I took it from the website. I just straight up took their definition. So I'll read it verbatim so that there's no qualms, no tomfoolery here. A movie's overall cinema score can range from A plus to F. Each opening weekend, CinemaScore pulls movie polls. Sorry, polls moviegoers directly at theaters across North America, including Canada. Pollsters provide audience members a ballot with six questions, including an A to F grade scale, purchase and rental interest, and demographic data. So, are you a man? Are you a woman? How old are you? Things like that. To answer these questions. Moviegoers bend back tabs on a cinema score ballot instead of having to use a pen or pencil to fill out a questionnaire survey. And after the movie ends, audience members return their ballots, ballots to cinema scores pollsters who tabulate the data and send the results immediately to cinema score. And there's a couple of interesting factors about this. The fact that this is not pre-release, as, as you initially thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is something that is tabulated all across the country. And yet, have you ever taken part in a cinema score? Listen, I've gone to a lot of movie premieres, mm -hmm. a lot of first night. I've done the midnight showings. I've camped out for movies to see them, 
heck, I've even gone to movies pre-released and never been Multiple part of movies the, in a day. Yeah, never been to, never gotten a little card to fill out to say how I liked it. Never once, unless it was. I've gotten a couple times, but I went to like a you know pre-release screening. Like I got to see Moana. Well, yeah, like but that wasn't cinema, cinema score. No, that wasn't cinema score. That was directly from the studio. And so what's interesting is that, so let me talk, before we get into this cinema score thing and before we get into Mother and, and how this works, I do want to give my thoughts on Mother really quickly. And I want, I'm, I'm going to, um, you've, you've read. Oh, I have thoughts. You've read what it's about. You have your thoughts, even though you haven't seen it yet, right? Yep. I wrote my review. You can, every new movie that we see or that I see particularly in this case, I always write a review. You go to popcorndietpodcast.com. You can find our reviews there. And Mother is the first movie that I've ever given two scores to, two ratings. It's not like you to not be able to settle on one thing. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) Mother is a very complex thing because it's a movie. It's... It, it's maddening. It's baffling. It doesn't make any sense. Um, as a movie, people, d- characters don't behave the way normal characters behave. Nothing is explained. There's no reason for it. It's basically like c- sort of a creepier version of The Tree of Life, which is your favorite kind of movie. Just pretentious, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It, all is everything and there's no real message and blah, 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 blah. And so I gave it burnt popcorn. Like just the me from three years ago would fucking hate this movie. <laughs> but I don't now, David. I don't. I do hate it be- as a movie. I feel like it's just every bit as pretentious a piece of crap as we used to hate. But as an as a metaphor, because that's this whole movie is just metaphors. The whole thing is just biblical metaphors. I find it really fascinating. I can't help it. Uh, I think that there's something about seeing mainstream Hollywood talent like Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem and Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer taking part in a movie that is a biblical allegory, something that you and I were raised with. There's Mm -hmm. something fascinating about that to me. And I didn't read it as particularly, quote unquote, anti-Christian. But, but the metaphors of the relationship between God and the planet and man and how man is an endlessly destructive force that God just wants our love despite the fact that we're terrible, like, that's fascinating to me. And so I gave that part of it a positive grade. Now, you didn't see it, but you still have your thoughts on it. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this and, and there's something that I know you'll have comments back on. You start out. With the title. Mother. Mother, exclamation point. Lowercase. Lowercase. Yep. Okay. Okay. I don't don't understand. I don't understand why. You're already mad. (laughs) You already Um, don't like it. Just name your title something normal. (laughs) And then then we go to the standpoint that there's not a single character with an actual name, I don't think, if I remember right. It's just like. That's correct. It's him. Husband or him. Him, capital H. Mother. Mother. Man, woman, woman, younger son, older son. Yeah. Like, again, I'm sure there's, I'm sure if we talked to, to good old Darren, he'd give us a great explanation of why he did it that way. Or <laughs> I'm sure if I thought real hard about it, I could figure out, oh, that makes sense why they did that. Um, 
but you you went to the movie and mm-hmm. you had a had a guest with you and you gave the option of do you want to know obviously we've all learned if you've listened to any podcast at this point rick likes to ruin movies by reading ahead at what happens and and getting reading the wikipedia page the spoilers i want to know it anything all. and everything he wants wrote, to know all wrote a whole article about it popcorndietpodcast.com and you gave the option to the person you were with and you said I do said, you want to know yep do you want to know what it's all what what it's all about do you want to know the metaphor ahead of time and she said no okay and i said okay and, and I want that noted, David, because I'll spoil it for myself, but I will never I know, I willingly know. spoil it for anybody else. I've never accused you of because uh, that, that is a dick move. It is, it is. Um, but at the end of the movie, <laughs> what was her reaction? I believe the first words out of her mouth were, "What the hell was that?" And then I explained everything to her, and she then said something to the effect of, "How the hell does that make any sense?" And then once we finally got around to it, did not care for the movie. <laughs> Just it's like it's like yeah no I hated it was was I think what she said. So this gets to my point is, <laughs> I shouldn't need like a user guide to watch your movie. <laughs> I shouldn't need. I should be able to look if I'm gonna get away to the movie theaters and maybe I have a different perspective as of recently now having a child and it being like twenty dollars an hour to pay a babysitter. And then plus finding a time that actually works to, mm-hmm. to go. But if I'm going to do all that work to go, a movie is an escape for me. I don't want to have to go there and try to figure out what metaphors we're talking about or what this – like I don't want to – you know what it reminds me of? And this is – he'd probably find this as a compliment. Um, but it's like when people go to like an art gallery – Mm-hmm. And they stand in front of a painting for like 20 minutes. That's literally just, just like a dried piece of gum on a canvas. That they're just staring at. And they're talking about like the emotion that comes out of this right. and the feelings that they're getting from it. Props to people that really enjoy art. I just don't have that. Like I think some art things are really very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to an art museum and I'm sure I'll like some paintings and I won't like others. But I couldn't spend like 16 hours in there, which I feel like some people do. <laughs> and I apologize if I'm offending someone. But I feel like that's what I've gotten the sense of this movie. And when I go and watch it, I'll, I'll report back whether that's... But it seems like you have to have some kind of inside knowledge of what's going on with this. And then you might understand it and you might enjoy it from that standpoint. But to me, that's not what a movie's about. Like... A painting, yes, you're expressing yourself on paint and you're, you know, some people are going to get it, some people aren't, that kind of thing. And that's what this kind of seems. And maybe that's why I don't enjoy it or, you know, I'm not as interested. But it just comes off a little pretentious to me from that standpoint. And I know, you know, some of the other things, I didn't necessarily have anything major against Noah. I mean, it was... It has giant rock monsters in it. I mean, how can you not like that? It wasn't the biblical Noah by any means as far as like sticking to the story. I know, you know, the overall message, I think he was trying to stay in there. Yeah, and he did deep research into the like Dead Sea Scrolls and things that you didn't find in the deep Jewish texts. And And he actually pulled those rock monsters from the Jewish text. Now, I don't know the intricacies of it, obviously. Um, So I've got nothing wrong with departing from that, but... My thing is, is when I just don't want to have to 
figure out something or read ahead to be prepared to see a movie. Right. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out when I it's, see it. But the film itself is very much a Rorschach test, and I said that in my review. It's an inkblot test. If you don't know anything about it going in, it is very much an inkblot test coming out. Because I don't think the the metaphors are very hard to get, like at all. And and someone telling me that that it's a lot of biblical metaphors. If I just knew that going in, I'm sure I could figure out some of them. Oh yeah, for sure. If not. All of them. If not all of them. The so. second the two brothers show up, it's like, oh, okay, this man. And then the second one of them dies, and the other one literally has a fucking mark on his forehead. Like, I we get it. This is pretty. This is pretty much right there to be explained. But but this kind of goes into the overall conversation of how movies are judged, how movies are graded, and this is what we wanted the main topic to be about today, uh, because. This, going back to the cinema scores, they're an aggregate. They were almost like Rotten Tomatoes before Rotten Tomatoes existed because cinema scores have been doing it since the 70s, right? And, and when we say Rotten Tomatoes, we're not talking about the critic aggregate. We're talking about the audience aggregate, right? And there's a lot of different audiences up and down in terms of whether or not the critics like it or not. But I want to give some examples of some of the cinema scores that have been given out. Now, as we said before, the cinema scores, they range from A plus to F, right? So let's get, we'll go down the grading sheet here and give you just some examples. And some of them are pulled directly from this year and some of them I had to dive a little deeper for, all right? But taking into example some of the A movies that came out this year, Spider-Man Homecoming was an A. Dunkirk was an A minus. Uh, and Girls Trip, which is one of the most well-received movies of the year, was an A+, right? Going down into the B category, you have fucking Transformers 5 as a B+, inexplicably. You have Atomic Blonde as a regular B, and then you have The House, a movie that you and I did not care for that much as a B-. You go down to C, and you get, you know, Friend Request, which is that most recent scary movie that came out. With a C plus, you have Pluto Nash, which is one of the one of the most famous box office bombs of all time, having a C minus. But then this is when it starts getting interesting, David, because The Wolf of Wall Street got a C, a film that you and I and many people think is a pretty excellent film. Although I think you and I can admit that we can see why some people wouldn't like that. Going to the D's, we have. The Avengers 1998 with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes with a mm -hmm. D. The Circle, which just came out this year with Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, D+. And then probably one of the most shocking ones to me, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, one of my favorite movies, was a D. But the reason that we're here today is because Mother got an F. And that is reserved for a specific group of movies. Uh, I believe... 19 total. There's 19 of them, yes, according to CinemaScore. There's only been 19 to get an F, and we won't go through all 19, but I do want to pull out a couple that I think you and I are at least a little familiar with here. Like, for example, let's say Killing Them Softly, which was a Brad Pitt gangster movie. Um, what was that, like five years ago, six years ago, I think? Something around that. Something around there. You have Solaris, which was George Clooney, Steven Soderbergh doing like a very 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like mental, like uh, psychological space romance. And then you have horror movies. You have some horror movies like Fear.com. You have Wolf Creek. Most common the, genre in here is horror, horror movies. Is, is horror. I mean, you got Darkness, Alone in the Dark, Bug is a psychological horror movie. Then you have Disaster Movie, which is one of those crappy uh, parody movies. And then one of the odd, odd ones here is Dr. T and the Women, that Richard Gere kind of rom-com that came out that apparently nobody liked. <laughs> and so this kind of goes into the fact that I think – Audiences, when they are coming out of it opening night, I think you get expectations that are met or you get expectations that are not met. And I think that's a big effect on this. Well, and I think you you look at the scores. Okay, so A's are Spider-Man, Girl's Trip, and Dunkirk. Right. Taking out Dunkirk of the equation, but I'll even kind of put Dunkirk back in there. Spider-Man... Natural fan base, right? You know, obviously we've established superhero movies are, are huge right now, but Spider-Man has its own following. As long as you do fairly well at, at making a movie, like you're probably going to get a positive cinema score because sure. everybody loves superhero movies. Sure. Uh, at least the ones, and when I say that, I mean it. the people that go and see it on opening night and want to battle the crowds that they know will be there on opening night <laughs> like superhero movies right or they're, case case example they're Alvin not in the chipmunks they're not the people that say i'm so sick of superhero movies like right. you know and those types right this is nothing we haven't seen before those aren't the people lining up to go see it on night one no um like alvin and the chipmunks got an a because everyone who went to go see alvin and the chipmunks pre thought they knew what they were in for yeah. And got what they wanted. Well, Girls Trip. I'm probably not in the target demographic that Girls Trip was was aimed at. No. Would we say that's safe to say? Probably not. You're neither a girl nor an African-American, nor have you gone on a girls trip. Yeah. So uh, There's a lot of demographics that don't cross over with you. So I'm not going to line up to probably go see it opening night unless I was doing it for this or something like that. Right. So I'm proud. The people like myself are probably not going to be the ones that saw it on opening night. And the thing is about it, it's an A plus. So to me, when you're like an A plus, that means not only do you have a following, but you delivered on on that promise. Like Dunkirk, Spider Man, Homecoming, and Girls Trip. No one's arguing that those are bad movies by any means. Um, but the reason I'm getting at this is when you get down to like a Wolf of Wall Street. Right. You got lots of Leo fans. Mm -hmm. You got lots of. Um, Jonah Hill fans, you know, you got people that that like those people. When you went and saw Wolf of Wall Street, it wasn't quite what you maybe thought it was going to be. Right. So it's not necessarily that it was a bad movie per se, which is probably why it did probably better critically. Sure. Um, but it wasn't necessarily what they were expecting. And that's where I'm getting to with Mother, and it comes back to your whole thing uh -huh. of – what does the trailer advertise mm -hmm. and what does the movie actually deliver? And I think a lot of the ones that you see low are ones that didn't quite deliver. Like we both didn't like the house. Right. But it was pretty much what we expected from the house. Yeah, it, it really didn't deviate. 
like no. we know what Will Ferrell movies are at, like at right. this point. Right. And if you're a huge gung ho, Will Ferrell can do no wrong. You're probably going to have enjoyed the house. But even with that being said, it's still got to be minus. So that's where I think, you know, cinema scores, while they're good, um, they also don't necessarily tell the whole story, just like a critical review doesn't, because a lot of times it's just it wasn't what I was expecting. Sure. Like sure. how many times have you talked to a friend and they say, oh, that movie was terrible, and their only reasoning is, like I thought it was going to be a different kind of movie, like something right, like that. Right, right. Well, so that so we'll get into that near near the end of it, um, because I think that there's that's an, a very very interesting question. Um, but I wanted to also I wanted to bring it back to Rotten Tomatoes as well, um, because Rotten Tomatoes. What is I wanted to see what Rotten Tomatoes says about Mother. As in terms of an aggregate, they always do like a general review right and what rotten tomato says is quote unquote there's no denying that mother is the thought-provoking product of a singularly ambitious artistic vision though it may be too unwieldy for mainstream tastes and even critics are divided despite the fact that it got a 68 percent fresh on on tomatoes even critics are are divided about it some have said it's brilliant you sent me an article that said it's a masterpiece Many people have called it a masterpiece, and other people, such as this fucking guy, <laughs> Kyle Smith at the National Review, have called it one of the sickest, most disgusting movies ever made. And I have a big issue with Kyle Smith at the National Review because it's one thing to not like a movie, but it's another thing to show complete and total disdain and disrespect in your movie reviews. And he did something he he referenced when he referred to Jennifer Lawrence, Academy Award winning and multi-nominated actress, acclaimed actress Jennifer Lawrence. He was like the boy or the what did he the say? The director's the director's girlfriend. girlfriend. Which yep. seems so demeaning. Like, that's just so dismissive. It's just petty, you know? Like, it's one of those things where, obviously, he did not enjoy his movie-going experience. Obviously. And he <laughs> uh, took it out on a lot of people. And it's like, you know what? If if you were worried that she just got it because she was the director's <laughs> girlfriend, I'm pretty sure her resume would stand up against anybody else who tried for the role. Right. And... I haven't seen any reviews that say the acting was just awful. Like everybody's terrible at acting in this. Like no. actually pretty much everybody says that even the ones that hated it said the performances are good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, there's one, the big, the big debate is coming up. We're kind of holding off on the big debate here, but I also want to get into some cinema scores that didn't really make a lot of sense, whether they were F or not. And this isn't like, for you and me because we like a lot of movies mm -hmm. right the other thing that i want to mention is that people seem to treat cinema score like anything other than an a is shit and i think that that's really odd like for example pulp fiction got a b plus now you and i i think we can both agree that's an a plus movie yeah yeah I but agree. but the fact that it got a b plus well that's a little weird the fact that something like the Blair Witch Project got a C plus when it made a shit ton of money, you know, that's a little weird. The fact that the Transformers movies keep getting A's. Well, I think that comes back to the who are the people that are in the cinema score. Mm -hmm. So I think 
the reason it's talked about how it's bad if you get anything other than an A or maybe a B plus is that we we just talked about who are the people doing the cinema score? It's the fans of it, right? Sure. It's the people that really wanted to go see it on opening night. So if you can't please the fans, how are you going to win over the general public from that standpoint? And sure. so I think that's probably why, you know, because usually when people talk negatively is, or say, you know, it was a bad cinema score, it's mm-hmm. usually when they're talking about their box office prognosis. Right. like. I don't know if this is going to do as well because it's got a bad cinema score, like that kind of thing. Well, let me offer a counter argument to you because then you have the films of Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Wes Anderson, the director of films like Moonrise Kingdom, Royal Tenenbaums, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Mm-hmm. You would think that most of the attendees on an opening night of a Wes Anderson movie would know what they're getting into. And yet the two, only two of them I've been able to find so far, I've been able to find the other ones for his other movies. Um, Well, I got, okay, I got three here, Uh, but they average between a B and a C. But that's because I don't know that, and you know, maybe I'm making an incorrect statement here, but I don't know that, Wes Anderson people are like, I got to see it opening night. Like, I think they're probably like, I want to see that movie and I'm going to go see it. But are they the types like you don't ever see like and, and I'll do some some digging on this, but I don't think you really see any Wes Anderson movies that open with like huge like Friday night openings, you know, that no, kind of thing. No, of course not. I mean, despite the fact that the Grand Budapest Hotel got you know, a crap ton of award nominations and stuff. I don't remember it. I mean, it did well, but I don't, it's not, you know, a $50 million opening weekend. And so that kind of brings, that brings us to the question of that, or that brings us to the sort of the main topic here, which is the critic and audience divide. You know, cinema scores is a way to judge audiences, but it's also not a way to judge general audiences because it picks opening night statistics. So the people who are coming out of a movie theater on opening night are either A, people who plan to be there and knew what they were in for, or B, and I've seen this firsthand, people who just pick a random fucking movie and show up. Were you at that screening of Hannah with me? No. Years ago. I know the story. You remember though. the stories. I'm going to tell it anyways for the listeners out there. Hannah was a PG-13 sort of Jason Bourne born identity-esque thriller about a little girl who is genetically engineered to be basically an assassin and she escaped and her one of the male assassins or male agents posed as her father and kind of wanted to get her away from it and whatever and it's this globe-trotting kind of it's not an action movie it's it's a very slow burn with bursts of action and it's got eric bana and it's got um oh jesus who else is it? Is it Kate Blanchett? I feel or Jessica Chastain. I've, I'm, I think it's Chastain. I'm I'm blowing it here on this one, uh, but it, it's a really really great movie um, that you all should see. Number one because it has uh, one of the best single take fight sequences that I think I've ever seen in a film. Um, it's it's in 2011 and it's directed uh, Kate by. Blanchett. Is it Kate Blanchett? So it's Kate Blanchett. It's the girl's name who I don't know how to pronounce. Uh, Eric Bana. Sauri's Ronin. I, I'm totally butchering that, and I apologize. Um, but 
the end of the movie is 2011, so I don't give a fuck if I spoil it. If you want to go see Hannah, then go see it and turn the podcast off for two minutes. But the end of Hannah, after Kate Blanchett, who's the bad guy, kills everyone, and there's the final showdown, and Hannah, the, the title character, like has like two arrows in Kate Blanchett. They're like she's like standing over her, ready to kill her, and they're having this quiet conversation and, and the whole there's no music, there's no nothing. It's just them speaking quietly. And then this family of five in like the in the front left row. Their fucking kid just starts screaming. Their baby, their toddler just starts screaming. And this family of five gets up out of the movie in literally the loudest way possible and and rushes their way out of the movie theater and basically completely ruins the end of the movie. Just takes you completely out of the moment. I can't imagine those people didn't just show up to the theater and were like, mm, Hannah, PG-13. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll see that. Um, and had no fucking idea, you know, had absolutely no idea what it was about. So I think you see that too. I think you see that a lot. Yeah. I, I think with, you know, the thing with Hannah is not like Hannah has a huge, had a huge following going into it. So I think the movies that you get that kind of more diverse is like the ones that don't have as much of a following. So you're going to get people that you know, do just stumble into it because I'm going to a movie on Friday night and right. I just want to see a movie. I don't have one in mind. Let's go. I mean, there are plenty of people that do that. I know they're not us, but there are plenty of people that do that. <laughs> um, and so this kind of, so if, if we break down the audience and the audience is people who are educated and uneducated and sometimes they walk in and they love it and sometimes they walk in and they hate it. What is the job of a critic? That's always my question, especially as somebody who's starting to write more and more reviews, you know? Well, I, what, I, what, 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 what's, what's their, what's the point? Well, I mean, I think if you ask most critics, because most critics seem like they're full of themselves. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? Oh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think most of them feel like it's their job to evaluate this movie and the quality of a film that it is. Because you read a lot of their reviews, they're not typically talking about whether they enjoyed the movie or not. And, and that's the one thing I will say is that the problem with like a site like Rotten Tomatoes is it equates everybody's review into one or two sentences right. and a fresh or not fresh rating. And the problem is, is there's plenty if you read them, and I don't like all of them, but there's plenty of them that you read that are fresh, that you get in there and they tear the movie apart sure. still. There's all these issues they had with it, but they still gave it a fresh rating. Right. And then there's some that give it a rotten rating, and then you dig into it, and there's actually a lot of things that they liked. But if you had to make them pick fresh or rotten, they're going to pick rotten. Well, they you're, just... You're going one or the other. So from that standpoint, it's... it's uh, the The issue with Rotten Tomatoes is that I go on the site, I check it, Okay, something's thirty five percent. Oh, that's a terrible movie. Right. You know, and that's it takes away any of the criticism. The point of criticism is to break down a film, a film by its parts, 
right? A film is made up of parts. A film is made up of acting, directing, editing, music. It's made up of emotional story beats. Is the story believable? Are the characters believable? And just diluting it down to a thumbs up or a thumbs down or to an A to an F or five stars, one star, or even anywhere in between there is really taking away from what critics do. Well, and that's why I like, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I like the the, the rating system that we've come up with where you have, you know, the fresh popcorn. You want to go movie theater popcorn. Mm -hmm. That's something you need to go see in the theater right away. You know, we've got the the different levels. You got the microwave the popcorn. Microwave popcorn. Eh, you, you can know? wait. You can wait. You can it's rent good. it. That like, kind of thing. You, you, you you're not it. telling people it's a waste of time to watch this movie, no. but you can say you're not going to miss anything by waiting and renting. Unless it. it's burnt. That And then you have burnt where don't touch this movie, which I feel like that's more what I want to know. I want to know, should I even waste my time watching this movie or right. will I enjoy it? Right. And I would say that 90% of movies should be somewhere on the I'll enjoy it. It's just whether I should see it in theaters or rent it. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is because most critics, they will look at a movie and they'll see like it goes through the same beats. And they'll say that like American Assassin is a great example. American Assassin movie that came out and from every actual review that I read, everybody's like, it's fine. But it's nothing you haven't seen before. And to me, that's not necessarily a gigantic negative. And I don't think it is to a lot of people. I think people like familiarity. I think people like uh, archetypes and they like those late 90s action movies or even those late 80s action movies. You know, there's something about those that, that that's, that's attractive there. And that leads us to the last question, which actually has some kind of sub questions. But it's where's the divide then between where 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 what's the motivation between these movies? Where's the divide between critics and audiences? Where's the divide that leads Mother to get a sixty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes and an F Cinema Score? Or you've pulled up some like we pulled up for example we pulled up Grandma's Boy, right? Eighty five percent of audiences enjoyed it, but only sixteen percent of critics. <laughs> It got a 16% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly, you know. Where does that divide come in? Where, Like, the beguiled, you know. 78% critics, 52% of the audience liked it. Like, n nobody liked that, you know. 47 meters down, which is, you know, shark movie. Man, a lot of people didn't like that one. Well, you go to Ants. We were talking about Ants. Fucking earlier. Ants. Woody Harrelson. The the worst Woody Allen or Woody Allen sorry the better the Woody Harrelson let's not drag Woody I would, Harrelson I would have loved this. Woody Harrelson in that would have been amazing uh, but it was another one of those movies I think did it uh, it came out pretty much the same time as Bugs Life yeah. so it's always kind of referred to of the crappier the crappier of the two ant movies right even though Bugs Life is more than just ants yeah um, but then you get into something like Boondock Saints I mean that's and I kind of put Boondock Saints in a different category because it's kind of a cult classic. Sure. I where, think you and I can both agree that it's not a good movie. But what, it's, you don't like but you damn, don't like Defoe in the I love that movie. That's the There that's, was a firefight. 
I love that movie so much that in high school I would draw those tattoos on my fingers. <laughs> the Equitas and Veritas. I love that movie so much that I was like, I'm going to get these tattoos, all right? <laughs> so don't question my love for the Boondock Saints. But I can also recognize that that is a shitty Tarantino knockoff in a big bad way. And I think that is where the divide is. I think the divide is in the fact that film is subjective. Film is an art form much like the art that you were discussing earlier. Much like the way you can walk into an art museum and see a piece of chewed gum on a canvas and say, that's a piece of shit. Other people can come in and they can dissect it in ways that you would never you would never even think of or even care to think of. Rick and that doesn't make you wrong. Rick really enjoys performance art. I love performance Where art. Where someone's like sitting in a chair. Yeah. I could definitely do that. Like I'd be I'm, this is performance art. It's called uh it's called the binger. And it's gonna just be me in a lounge chair binging all the seasons of Breaking Bad as an art installation. Because because art is whatever you want it to be. And people might enjoy it and people might think it's dumb as hell. But I think the fact that critics now and with Rotten Tomatoes now, we try to put statistics on it. And this isn't like basketball. This isn't like sports where you can say that, like, yes, this guy is clearly a good player or this team is clearly a good team. Like, you can't say that the San Francisco Giants are a good baseball team this year because the statistics say that they are definitively not a good baseball team. But they try, and when I say they, I mean Rotten Tomatoes, I mean CinemaScore, they try to apply statistics to film. And that just doesn't work because film ultimately is subjective. That's one of the biggest messages of this podcast is your favorite movie can be anything and you're not wrong. Well, and I think Rotten Tomatoes aims at being like, this is the quality of film that it is. Okay. So like ones that are certified fresh are ones that are like really good films. You may not you may like them, you may not, but these are really good films. Whereas Cinema Score I think is more trying to target like will you enjoy this movie? Like are people enjoying this movie? Because one's critics, one's your peers. Right. Um, that's why I think Rotten Tomatoes added the whole what are audience saying? Audience right. like it versus but let's be honest, even in that, and this is the same thing issue with CinemaScore, is that the average moviegoer doesn't go on to Rotten Tomatoes and rate a movie. No. Like, I don't even go on Rotten Tomatoes I and don't rate either. movies. And I'm a movie fanatic. So, like, there's a specific type of person that goes... It's the same type goes... of asshole that writes Yelp reviews. Well, and, that's... and if you're that type of person, we love you and we don't mean to judge. But it's also the same thing with Yelp reviews. Of You usually get people that either just like making themselves known mm -hmm. and seeing their name on the screen and that sure. they reviewed and people might read it. Or you get the people that really hated it or the people that really loved it. You get it. the like, fanatics. Yeah, you get one end or the other. You get, you, get, you get publicity whores and you get fanatics. I mean, a great example is The Room. The fact that The Room even has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes tells you that critics don't just judge on the technical aspects of a film. You know, literally one of the quotes says, The Room Has Been Maligned is one of the most inept movies ever made when in fact it's a sardonic comedy about sexual politics in the age of terror. Fuck you, St. Louis Dispatch. This movie's a piece of shit. But we love it because it's a piece of shit. Like, you're reading way too much into this, St. Louis Dispatch. 
And you need to settle down with that crap, you know? At least one of the other positive reviews had the you know guts to say, like, this movie is terrible, but I love it, you know? And that's what film is about. So, so let's say that the divide is not within bad movies, right? Because bad movies aren't really bad movies. What about pretentious movies? Do we see the divide in audience and critics when it comes to, quote-unquote, pretentious movies? Also... What is a pretentious movie? I think you kind of hit the nail on the head before, which is any movie that requires an instruction manual or well, anything that Angelina Jolie directs. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think pretentious is one that's a great part of it. Anything that needs instructions is definitely one. I think one that also goes out of its way to do things a certain way. For instance... I'm going to wind you up on this one. Well, let's could do you, it. Fuck it. I could, don't care. Could you tell me your thoughts on Boyhood? <laughs> Boyhood is a movie that is a technical marvel. It is amazing that Richard Linklater managed to piece together a coherent film over the course of 12 years with all of the same actors, with almost anybody not knowing about it. That is an amazing achievement. And I do believe he should have been given some type of special technical award for doing that. But that movie is a boring, melodramatic piece of shit. And, and I will never be able to get my two and three quarters hours back from. <laughs> and the whole reason it got the love that it did was exactly what you said for the technical side of things. And I feel like it wasn't made to tell something that's never been told before, to get a specific message, to target a certain crowd. It was because he wanted to do something that had never been done before. Right. And knew that probably this was a surefire way of at least getting nominated as long as he didn't totally screw the pooch on it. And that was it. And what? to me, that's not what movies are about. Movies aren't about, you know, doing something that no one's ever seen before just to do it. Like, that's fine. Like, I like movies that go somewhere that nothing's ever gone before. Right. But not just to go. Like, there needs to be a purpose behind it. There like, the story of Boyhood didn't tell a story that could never couldn't have been told without doing that method. Right. Like, right. you I could think, have, you could have easily done it. People do the same story all the time. They use just different people for young version of a character and old version of a character. I was more mad that I was more mad at the praise it was getting because I didn't feel it was deserved than I was mad at them. That movie's a two star movie. That movie that's a stale popcorn movie. All right, that it's that's it is what it is. But then you get to like things like Tree of Life when it's like, what's Tree of Life about? It's about everything in existing, past and present, the human condition, the cosmos. Fuck you, you know. Like you just don't like it because Sean Penn's in. Tell me what's it? What is it about? You know, and then you just and it's usually the same directors too. It's usually like Charlie Kaufman. It's usually um, <laughs> fucking Lars von Trier or Terrence Malick. Or, oh, Across the Universe is another one of my favorite, least favorite pretentious movies of all time because. <laughs> There's just that one scene where he's like, we're all here, but we're not here. And everything is real, but everything is fake. Fuck you. Like, pretentious movies can be called out. And they should be called out. You know? I think your movie... I think there are movies that seem to be about nothing, but they are ultimately about something. 
they are movies that require an, an explanation. A movie that – why did you make this? Anytime that you have to ask somebody like why did you make this movie or like what's the story behind this movie, I feel like it, it's, that's a pretentious movie. Like you don't have to ask like why did you make Jurassic Park because fucking dinosaurs and it's amazing. Like why did you make Boyhood? Well, because – and it's also a lot to do with the answer to that question too, you know. I just – pretentious films still do drive me crazy but Mother really does fit in. With that pretentious boy, does it fit in? After I just said some of those things out loud, like that movie is about nothing unless you know what it's about. And then when you know what it's about, it's a little bit more rewarding. Yeah. I think. Um, I honestly think beyond those two things, let's get into let's get into the last two that I think create this divide between critics and cinema score. One or or one of the two reasons why I think the cinema scores are so low, and the first is confusing movies. So if we had my wife in here, she'd be she'd be talking about Fight my Club. Wife. My Fight Club when we talk about this. Okay. So she hates Fight Club. I love Fight Club. I think most a lot of guys like Fight Club for, for all sure. the wrong fucking reasons, of, which is crazy. Yes. But she hates Fight Club because she hates she does not like movies where. The movie tells you one story and then changes it at the end. It's not that she doesn't like ones where like there's a big shocking reveal at the end. Sure. But her whole issue with Fight Club is they just don't allow you to see what's actually going on. Like I, I get it. You know, you see the two characters interacting, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt interacting the whole time. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, you go back and see all these scenes where they weren't actually there. Right. And so from her standpoint, like is Yeah, and like, did you I don't do, agree with it, right? But I get what she's saying. Like, like they didn't show their work. It's not. It's not like, like you used hiding things, or in this case, adding things that weren't actually there, right. to make something happen. You didn't. You didn't like leave little breadcrumbs the whole way, right. and then so like you know, like Ocean's Eleven or. I'm thinking of, you know, like prestige, like you can right. go back through prestige and like suddenly you notice things that you didn't Sixth notice sense. before. Sixth sense. Like those are ones where it's like, yes, there's a big shocking reveal at the end, mm -hmm. but it makes sense all the way along. Whereas like Fight Club, it just we were showing you something that wasn't actually there. And and so I think that to me is kind of like an example of like a confusing movie as well as like movies that are just poorly done that don't really make any sense sure sure and i mean there's a lot of conf i mean quote unquote confusing movies you know like there are conf like confusing movies are more about like what is it about like you know synecdoche new york i don't know if you ever saw that movie that movie is bananas um same thing like if you didn't know what mother was about you would be confused as shit because it doesn't answer like why is the house bleeding? Why are these people acting this way? Like, same thing, kind of Donnie Darko, a tree yeah. of life, going back to that. Like, those movies are just inherently confusing, and I think that when you... But there's also confusing, like, The Matrix. Like, that was on one of the lists that we looked at. Mm -hmm. um, Which I don't find confusing. It's, I think it's confusing from the standpoint of you built up this whole world and this whole story behind it like if you were just to see the matrix on its own yeah it it actually is kind of confusing if you think about it like because you're you're told okay you're in the matrix 
you're out of the matrix, you're plugged in, that kind of thing. Sure. Like, it just doesn't give you kind of enough background to know like Earth and these other things. Like it skips a few pages is what I'm getting at. Sure. Eventually through the whole series, you see more because you see like where everybody's actually living and Zion and all that crap. And, and whether it's well done or not is not up for debate here. Right. But just in the Matrix, if you're just taking the Matrix, someone could say it's a little confusing about what world is what and i think most people get it like i didn't i didn't walk away confused sure. but i could see how someone could get lost in some of the details about some of the items right and, and there's so. a difference between confusing movies and movies with a twist that people just don't get yeah you know um but i think like that i think that contributes to the cinema score i think one of the reasons you get lower cinema scores is if people watch walk out of the movie and they don't know what the fuck just happened yeah and that leads me to my last one which Your favorite. Currently working on another article, which you can read, popcorndietpodcast.com. Mismarketed films. Films that are, are advertised as one thing and then turn out to be another thing. And in some cases, like that film, you, you thought it was one thing and it's another thing, but that other thing is still really good. We, we reviewed one already. Well, I wouldn't call it really good, but. Cars 3. We already had an episode about how I think Cars 3 is mismarketed as shit. And I didn't – and I that pissed me off. And, and that's one of the reasons I didn't really care for it yep. um, is because I went in expecting one thing and I came out and it was – and I was give, given something different, right? And I think this is why Mother has gotten the F. More so than it's confusing, more so than it's pretentious. I certainly wouldn't call it a bad film, per se, but I think more than anything else, you watched the previews for this movie that played in front of any horror movie that we saw. It played in front of It and played in front of Annabelle. You're building, you're building a connection between those movies and this movie. This movie was marketed as some type of gothic horror where Jennifer Lawrence is a wife in a relationship and weird things start happening and maybe everybody's against her and things like that. And that's not what this movie is. This movie is not a scary movie. It's weird and it's a little creepy, but it is scarier than Mother. And it is not scary. Well, and, and here's the thing too about it is you were marketed definitely at at worst, it's a th was marketed as a thriller movie. Sure, um, but I think you could say it kind of keys to almost a horror too. With like you see the house bleeding and you see some Jennifer Lawrence screaming in a exactly. big crowd and stuff like that. And exactly, um, so I think it definitely gets some marketing cues from that. Um, also, the time they chose to release it. This is a popular time to release horror movies because yep. Halloween coming. We're getting up. a horror movie every weekend, whether or not they're good or bad. It's a whole other thing. Absolutely, because it. Came, I mean, Friend Request came Friend out Request too. Friend Request came out, and made like a um, million dollars. Yeah. That's it. but I think that definitely, and I think the reason some of these are kind of the perfect storm of an F rating is because it looked kind of like a horror movie. You brought out the horror fans to come see your movie right and they didn't get that and a lot of horror fans aren't gonna <laughs> they love paranormal activity five yeah absolutely which is not a great film which coming is a into way a movie of us... where i gotta think a bunch and i gotta think about metaphors and that's not no. they came to a movie they wanted to yell at this at the screen and tell jennifer lawrence run away from the shadow that's about to grab her and right. kill her right like 
that's the type of movies that they go to see. Even, so it's no surprise that they hated it. Even a badly made horror movie plays to the lowest common denominator of emotions, the boo, boo, ah. Yeah. That's not that fucking hard to do, right? You know. Most people that, that go on an opening night of a horror movie, if they get scared during the movie, will walk away saying they enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it. And they walked into this movie hoping to get boo, ah, and instead they got this huge metaphorical <laughs> plate of spaghetti about God and a, and a house. And uh, David, a fucking SWAT team shows up in this movie and grenades go off and a baby is eaten. This movie is fucking crazy. And everybody should give it a chance if only to see how you react to it. Because it I, is very much a Rorschach test. Well, and I think this is a good example, too, of that people will probably enjoy the movie more if they listen to this podcast prior <laughs> because they'll have somewhat of an expectation of what they're getting themselves into. Ah, I, maybe, yeah. But I, I genuinely think that that goes back, even if we go away from Mother a little bit and we go to The Wolf of Wall Street or we go to The Life Aquatic, like the fact that The Life Aquatic got a D, I think that, I bet you that's because a lot of people went in expecting like a funny Bill Murray comedy. Absolutely. I bet you that's the reason that Killing Them Softly got an F is because people went in expecting that movie to be good Brad Pitt, well, Brad Pitt killing a bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, Brad know, Pitt's like... got a leather jacket and a shotgun and really it's about like the decay of America in Detroit and shit like that. No one wants to see that. And all those horror movies that are listed, there are some legitimate like terrible movies on that list of of the low cinema scores and whatever, but there and there are some legitimate terrible ones like sure. like you know darkness is not great and Wolf Creek though is great Bug is great but those are not traditional horror movies and they're certainly not like feel good horror movies The Wicker Man's a piece of shit but it's an amazing <laughs> piece of shit Disaster Movie is absolute garbage you know. Which I believe does that movie have a Kardashian in it? Oh God! It certainly seems that there, I haven't looked yet. The box—that's not a terrible movie at all. Um, that movie's a good old-fashioned like you press this button, you get a million dollars, but somebody dies somewhere. You know, and they made a whole movie about that. Like those aren't terrible movies, but I don't think people got them. I and can I, con I can confirm that Disaster Movie had Kim Kardashian. Boom F. Thank you. Deserved it. So it. did Car Carmen Electra. Well, let's not let's not bring Carmen Electra into this. G thing. Nope. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Tony Cox. Hey, Tony Cox is a respected actor <laughs> in, cer in certain films, including despite Bad doing, Santa, despite and, doing disaster and, movie and Bad Santa too. Um, so yeah, I, I you know to wrap this up, to wrap this conversation up. I mean, I don't know what the final message is. I think my final message is you should check out Mother, and worst case scenario, you'll hate it, <laughs> which could be pretty bad. It's a pretty bad worst case scenario. At wor well, no, at worst, you'll be able to speak from personal experience about every what everybody's talking it's about. It's true, yeah. It'll give you something to talk about. But I think the big thing to remember is that too many people nowadays – go to a Rotten Tomatoes to decide whether or not they're going to go see a movie. They go and they look at the cinema score and they decide whether or not they're going to see a movie. Hell, I have seen, I have gone to so many different movie review websites, read the reviews, then if it was a negative review, I went down to the comments and I've seen dozens of people who are like, darn, I was excited to see this, guess I'm going to skip it. Like, 
if one review sways you, then you didn't really want to see it. I think if you're going to use critics to evaluate whether you want to see a movie or not, one, find some that generally like the movies you like. Like right. You can go back and see movies that they've seen previously right. and what they've thought of them. If if they hate all the movies you love, why are you going to take their advice right. on anything, or any movie? A, or if it's a website that just shits on movies because they don't like them. So find a movie reviewer that you usually agree with or at least have agree with on a bunch of movies because yep. then they're probably going to have similar taste. And two, don't just read the two-line rotten or fresh review portion of Rotten Tomatoes. Like Actually click and see their full review because, like I said, a lot of them – usually will point out both good and bad in it and then it's a little bit better to know whether it's just complete garbage right. or whether it just like like mummy if you forced me into a rotten or a fresh i'd probably give it a rotten over a fresh uh if you're putting me one or the other it's, right but at the same time i wouldn't tell you not to go see it like i enjoyed watching it right right and i might give mummy a, a fresh because it's got a bunch of shit that you've seen before, but I enjoyed it. And I would probably give a Cars Rotten, and I'd give the House Rotten, and I might even give Transformers Rotten, which is crazy because I'm a gigantic Michael Bay fan. But God damn it, Michael Bay, start making some real movies. So I'm going to, David, I'm going to wrap this up with one last question to you. Are you going to see Mother? And if you do, are you going to take your wife? <laughs> Uh, my wife, I think, has zero desire to see it, so <laughs> I will probably be watching it solo. But I will, I'm gonna say, chances are, with some of the movies that we've got coming up that we need to see, I'll probably end up seeing it on video. But we'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make it to uh, Mother in Theaters. If it was a movie year, if it was a competition year, oh, you, I'd be there. You'd already be there. Well, that's gonna do it for for this week's episode. Uh, again, if you are not following us on social media please do us a favor follow us on twitter on facebook on instagram at the popcorn diet you can always go to our website popcorndietpodcast.com to read our latest articles read our latest reviews and listen to our latest episodes and as always do us a big solid like rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening whether it be soundcloud itunes or google play and go out and see a movie this weekend. Whatever it may be, damn it if it gets a bad review or a good review. Go out and check out a movie this weekend. But for Mr. David Melhorn, The Canadian Machine, I am Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, signing off from The Popcorn Diet. We'll see you next time at the movies. Adios.